This is an ABC podcast. Hello, it's Kaya, and this is the Newcastle Hunter Catch-Up. Today, it's all about water, starting under the sea. It, it's a slow process for me to get back in the water because I know that it's going to be quite sad to see all these habitats that you know I know and all these reference points for these lovely sponge off our crops. They're most likely going to be gone. And, you know, going in after the floods recently, you know, your, your worst fears are concerned when you see that everything has disappeared. Doesn't sound good, hey. But I promise there are good things happening in this stunning local spot. Let me tell you more. It's finally stopped raining. Yet here I am wanting to talk to you about water. Stay with me. Today, we're going to the stunning Port Stephens Reef. Because flood damage under the water, where river meets the ocean, well, that's kind of harder to see than the potholes littering local roads. It's basically like when a bushfire goes through the landscape, we have a similar sort of thing underwater. So all the marine life in the shallows, the sponges, the kelps, the soft corals, they've all been significantly affected by the fresh water and they all disappear. Basically, we just end up with sand habitats. And when you've just got sand left, not much else lives in there. Dr Dave Harasti there. He works with the Port Stephens Fisheries Institute and he is a reef fanatic. But given freshwater meets salt all the time, why do floods cause such drastic damage? If you have a saltwater fish tank and you take those saltwater fish out and you put them in a freshwater tank, saltwater fish don't do very well. And when we have these big floods and all this freshwater runoff comes into the estuary, such as Port Stephens, it basically has really harmful effects on the marine life. Dave has, with a bit of trepidation at what he was going to find, he's gotten back into the water. Um, with snorkels, flippers, goggles, this is what he's found. One of the most popular dive sites up here at the pipeline where you used to be able to dive and used to swim through a football field of soft corals and, and sponge habitats. Now it's just a desert. And um, the seahorses, every diver can easily find between 10 to 20 endangered white seahorses. We're only finding maybe one, maybe two at most. Let's talk about that seahorse, the white seahorse that Dave mentioned. It's not doing great. And Port Stephens was seen as a bit of a sanctuary. All the kelp, the soft coral, the safety of the reef. Already work was being done to boost these babies up, and that's part of the solution to the damage we've seen from flooding. We've managed to find some few remaining soft coral colonies, for example, in the, in the estuary, and we took cuttings from them, just took smaller branches, and what we've done now is we've, we've fragged those branches into smaller pieces, and we're growing them at the Port Stephens Fisheries Institute. And they're developing their little tree roots, and once they've established themselves, we're going to actually transplant them back out into the wild. Probably not into the Port Stephens estuary because of the flooding issue. We might put them offshore somewhere like Broughton Island or Cabotry Island and have them as a bit of an insurance population. And then we've got our breeding program with the white seahorse with Sea Life Aquarium. And we're planning later this year and early next year to start releasing baby seahorses back into the Port Stephens estuary. Uh, rewind. Baby seahorses? I need to know more. What's even cuter is they'll be moving into specially built seahorse hotels that'll be put off the Port Stephens coast very soon. But let's hear more about those babies. Every time we go to Sea Life Aquarium, I see that my little babies are getting bigger and bigger. It does get rather exciting. So we're going to have a release of baby seahorses back in the Botany Bay in the next month or so. And then our next big release will be in the Port Stephens because Port Stephens estuary seahorses aren't doing very well. Mm-hmm. So new hotels, new captive uh, babies to release to hopefully kickstart our local seahorse populations and get them going again. I'm not telling you what to do, but if you get a spare second, spend some time watching a seahorse give birth. The internet is full of videos and I promise you won't regret it. The Fernley track is a Newcastle icon. 
the old railway line. Transformed into easily the most picturesque walk in the Hunter. Don't come at me. I know the beach is great. The top of Tomary is also excellent. But 15 kilometres of natural wonderland mixed with our industrial path is at least Insta-worthy, no matter what section you're on. One of these industrial corners is causing a bit of a stir right now. Locals at Whitebridge are a bit tetchy about removing a dam. Let me tell you about it. The Whitebridge Dam is not doing anything for you or me with our water. It used to supply the water for the mining work of Burwood, but hasn't been used in decades. So it was just kind of left there. It naturally brought in bird life and other environmental wonders. But here's the tea. The dam was built a long, long time ago, and like all things built, it needs maintenance. We're talking a lot of TLC. The dam wall itself is nearing the end of its serviceable life. So over coming years, we've got to make some decisions about the future of that wall, and that's why we're starting this community consultation. That's Greg. He's one of the honchos from Crown Lands. His job, with community input, is to figure out how or if the dam should be kept. It's not under any historical order. There was a time when there wasn't a dam there, but that big body of water would look much different. We also need to understand from an environmental assessment, not just about the plants and animals, the habitat's been created, but also there may be toxicity issues in terms of the sediments and the water that's been in that dam for a long time related to the former colliery operations. So detailed engineering assessments, detailed scientific work needs to be done, informed by the community consultation. So as you can imagine, locals aren't keen on big changes to something they've known maybe all their lives. I really hope it stays. Um, My daughters and I have made some really nice memories here, feeding the swans and the ducks and... um, Yeah, it's just a nice little spot to take the kids, really. There's a lot of ducks here um, this morning and a lot of birds as well. Uh, How much wildlife comes to this area? Um, Quite a lot. There's not just the birds. You'll often see eels and a few turtles in the dam as well. What do you love about this spot? Um, Oh, it's just nice. It's convenient. It's nice and close. It's a bit of a secret little getaway where you can just interact with wildlife. Like Jules there. Everyone uses the dam for some form of ritual, like feeding the birds, a picnic, just taking in the serenity. So what can be done? No decisions have been made yet about the future of the dam wall itself. Yes, money will have to be spent either way, because doing nothing ultimately is not an option in the sense that, like any built structure, eventually, if you do nothing at all, they fail. We'll keep you posted after the meetings, the plans, the consultation, which it's not going to be done overnight. Damned if you do. (laughs) That was terrible. All right, let's wrap it up. That's the pod for another day. This pod is made in Mullumbimba on the lands of the Awabakal people. We acknowledge these lands and that of the Darkingjin, Wanarua and Waramai peoples that make up our Hunter region. Thanks for listening, for sharing, for being awesome. I'll see you tomorrow.